uh, so it was, uh, was Christmas time. I can't remember if it was, if it was uh, my wife Jen and I's first Christmas married or if we were engaged still. Um, but I had to decide what kind of gift to give her. And so, you know, at that time, I put a lot of thought into gifts, and I, and I thought, I, I, need a, I need a gift that, that it would make her happy, um, that it would really let her know that I love her and that I, that I care about her, so personal, and, uh, and then maybe that it would be useful. She's listening now, so uh, she, she knows what happened. It's, she already forgave me. Um, so <laughs> I got her a bottle of perfume, and it was, it was called Daisy, since that's her favorite kind of flower, so I thought this is just going to be absolutely perfect. She's going to love it. Well, I was, I was wrong in two ways, at least. Um, her favorite flower is not Daisy. It's a, a, a tulip, I think, yep. And, uh, and she doesn't wear perfume, um, never did. And, uh, and a side note, she told me that um, I could just give it to my grandma because it's something that maybe someone 50 or 60 years older would wear. <laughs> yeah, so that didn't go well. Um, so why do we give gifts? Um, be- because we want to show someone that we love them. Uh, we-, we want them to be happy. Uh, we want it to be useful maybe. There's, there's a lot of reasons. Um, but God gives us gifts. Uh, and that's what we're going to look at today. Um, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And it's 31 verses. And uh, whenever I was planning this, I, I think Amy asked me which half I was going to be doing. And, and I said, all of it. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a long, it's a long one. Um, but there's a reason for it. And I'm going to tell you why after we do these first 11 verses. So let's start in 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 1. And it says this. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters... I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore I want you to know therefore I want you to know that that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working. But in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. And so we're looking at spiritual gifts or gifts from God. Remember the the nice gift that I gave that I failed. Uh, God doesn't fail. So I think this is very important for us to know uh, what these gifts are uh, for many reasons. And so we're going to walk through just that text again, and this is going to go rather quickly, the first part all about spiritual gifts and what we do with them. And so from verse 1, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. First, we learn them. If we don't have a clue why or what God has given us, if we don't know the reason behind it, then what would be the point? Why would, why would we even need them if we just thought, man, this is just random and, and these are nice, but if I want them, I'll take them. If I want to use them, you know, so there's a, we, have to, we have to learn what they are first. I'm going to go quickly through this. Verses 4 to 6 and 11. 
There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all them and in everyone is the same God at work. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He, he distributes them to each one as, just as He determines. So we accept them. You don't earn them. You can't go to to uh, one church and God gives you a certain gift and then you go to a different one and, and God gives you a different g- gift. Well, maybe he will, but you can't go and get them because you go to that church. You get them because God chooses to give you the gifts. We do not earn these. We may be able to develop gifts if we use them, just like you practice anything if you use them, but, but you have to understand that these are from God, not made uh, through our own works. Verse 7 now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Share them. This is, I think this is the heart of the message. This is the best part of it, uh, of, of, of the scripture. Verse 7, they're for the common good. They're not to show off. They're not to gain attention to ourselves. It says right here, they are for the common good. The common good of the church body, of the people next to you, of this church. And so we then have a responsibility to use them. If you don't learn them, if you don't know them, we won't be able to use them most likely. Uh, and if we don't use them, then why are we even here? So we each then do our part. And the last part of this one, verses 8 to 10, to one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, and I'm going to paraphrase, just go through. Um, there's, there's faith, there's healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of the tongues. We explore them. And I, I say this, because there are a lot of gifts. If you look in this list, you'll notice that there are multiple gifts. If you go to the end of this chapter, 28 to 31, there are also a list of gifts, but they're not all the same. If you go to Romans 12, 6 through 8, there's a list. If you go to Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, there's a list. I don't know how many gifts there are. Um, I mean, maybe you could sit down and read the whole Bible and just mark every place that you see a, a gift. Um, maybe someone's done that. I didn't look it up, and the reason is because I don't really care. Um, but I know that we've been given gifts, and there's a purpose. They're beneficial for, uh, for the church, to, to all of us. Gifts are given to individuals, but for the body. Not given to individuals for the individual. And so this is the point where usually I try to find some kind of illustration or story or even apply. I went through this information very quickly, but I did it, and I say we have a lot of scripture because the illustration is, is in the text. And so we're going to keep going on in, in uh, beginning or continuing on at verse 12. And it says, just as a body, the one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. And this is where it, it, it's a, a picture, but I think it's, it's kind of humorous. I think it's supposed to be. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the, I always picture a giant nose right there, just one, one body part. I don't know why a nose, but, but it, it doesn't work that way. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would, it would for not, not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body every one of them, and I like this, just as he wanted them to be. See, it's, it's, he's, it's him working. 
in us. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. The parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. Parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. And so, we make up one body. It's kind of tough. We're individuals, but we are individual parts of the body of Christ. Your gifts are useful to the church, just like each part of a body is useful to the rest. And when I think about this, I think about our own bodies. Uh, we don't always feel like some roles are more important or some... Uh, some parts. We, we protect certain parts of our body, um, and we think it's more important, but until something stops working. I mean, think about if, if your pancreas stops producing insulin, then you, you're, you become diabetic. If your heart doesn't work well, it could be a, a massive problem, or it could be poor circulation or breathing issues. If your eyes uh, don't work very well, then you have vision loss and hearing, hearing loss. So what happens with the body of Christ if one part doesn't work, if one part isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing. The whole body suffers. The whole church suffers. If someone has a gift and God has given you that gift to use for the common good and you're not using it, well, it's not just you that are the suffering. It's the whole body, the whole church. Why would we choose less when we can have more? We're going to be okay if, if one part doesn't work. If, if, if part of our body doesn't work, oftentimes we're still okay. But if we have a choice to be better, to make the, the body of Christ better because that's what he's given us, and we have gifts to use, why? Why would we choose to be any less? I spoke a, a while back on leadership, and I, and I told you that I think leadership is overrated, and I meant my leadership. I meant the, the elders' leadership. I'm not going to get fired for that, am I? Um, what I meant is that I think there's, well, it's in the scripture. There is a head of the church, and it's, it's Jesus. Um, there's no president or CEO. And now you, have, you may have noticed that I changed my title from senior minister to lead minister, and that, well, if leadership doesn't matter, then, then why did I do that? Well, I have reasons, multiple reasons. Um, but the biggest one is because I see myself as a, a leader in the sense of like a coach. And, and I, I love coaching. Um, maybe I'm a player coach because I can also participate, um, but I can't shoot every free throw or kick every field goal or spike the, spike the ball. I can't run every race. That's why we make up a team. And, and I feel like I've been put in a place that my responsibility is not to um, and, and again, the title senior minister, I think that belongs to Jesus. And, and so it sounds to me like too much like, and I know every church, use, or many churches use it, but it sounds too much like it's a authority, like the person that's above the others. And that's not true. But a, a, a lead minister or, or just a, a coach just guides, guides people to the head of the body, who is Jesus. And the hardest part about coaching, I think, is, well, 
It's to get everyone to play, to get everyone in the game. Uh, if you have uh, 15 or 20 people and only four quarters, six minutes, seven minutes, depending on what age you, you coach, uh, getting everyone in. Well, we don't have that restriction. Every single person in here could use their gift at all times or anytime they choose, and you will make a positive difference for the, the kingdom, for the body. The elders and I are part of the church, just like Sunday school teachers, ground team, those who prep communion. There's unlimited playing time. We have opportunities that don't exist yet. And that's what we're going to get to at the end. This is, I think this is really important. The opportunities are endless, but we need all the parts. And, and so we have a, a local congregation. Obviously, we're not the only church. We're not the only part of the body of Christ, but this is our local congregation. And, uh, and we have a small town. And we can end up like other small town churches. Um, it, it happens, it's happening all over. Many churches are shrinking and dying. So how do we, how do we become what, what God wants us to be and prevent that? It's going to take all of us. It's going to take us all moving together as a body in the right direction, or in the same direction at least. So will you do what God has called you to do? Whatever gift he has given you, will you use that? Well, we have to find it. So that, that's why I'm here. That's why I, what I meant by coaching or leading. I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to give opportunities. Many of you are serving the church already in, in many ways, uh, and you probably can't do anything else, and that's okay. I know a lot of you are spending a lot of time serving and using your gifts already. And I assume many of you are using your gifts outside of this building, and that's how it's supposed to be. But if you're not, I want you to have the opportunity. If you don't know your gifts, I want you to have the opportunity. So we're going to get back to that at the end. I want to talk a little bit more about why, and then we're going to uh, have, you'll have something that you can actually take with you to, to do uh, instead of just hearing it and leaving. So there are some gifts that are more important than others. Now, not positions, gifts. In, uh, to close this chapter, verses 28 to 31, it talks about this. It says, And God placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then the gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And so we practically use our gifts to be outwardly focused Christians. That's this whole series. The goal is to get everyone involved to do something, but there are some gifts that we should desire. We should hope that we have. We should check and make sure if we have them, we should be using them. What are those gifts, though? The greater gifts. Gifts with eternal value are greater than gifts with temporary value. How do I know that? It's in this text right here. Verse 28, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, and third, teachers. Now think about that list, apostles, prophets, teachers. Then, next, miracles, gifts of healing, of helping, guidance, and different kinds of tongues. The latter, the then list, is all about now. How can I help you today? How can I help you in this life? But the first list, apostles, prophets, teachers, that's about eternity. This, this is the stuff, this is the big picture. This is what matters. See, helping people get from this day to the next is very important, and we should be doing that. But we do it so that we can share the gospel with them to know that there's so much more. Helping people to know about heaven, about Jesus, far more important. So I want to share a story. that I think this story uh, illustrates it much better than I could. 
Right? And so I'm going to read this. Pastor and freelance writer Mark Buchanan tells about a conversation he had with a young philosophy student who was a healthy, good-looking man in his early 20s. Mark had officiated a wedding on a gorgeous day on the Sunshine Coast of British Columbia, and at the reception, the student asked Mark if he really believed that all that religious stuff he had spouted at the church. Mark writes, I said I did. He smirked. I asked him what he believed. I tried your religion for a while, he said. I, I found it's just a burden to carry. You know what I figured out? Life justifies living. Life is its own reward and explanation. I don't need some pie-in-the-sky mirage to help me keep going. This life has enough pleasure and mystery and adventure in it not to need anything else to account for it. Life justifies living. Good, I said, very good. And I believe you today, here, the warmth of that breeze, listen to the laughter of those people, smell the spiciness of that shrimp cooking, look at the blueness of the sky. Yes, I, I believe you. What a superb philosophy. Life justifies living. Bravo. Only, he goes on, I'm thinking about someone I met last February, Richard. Richard was 44, looked 60, and had been living on the streets since he was 12. He was a junkie. To support his habit, he was a male prostitute until he got too old and too ugly and diseased for that. Now he has AIDS. Last time I saw Richard was on a gray rainy day in winter. I bought him a bus ticket and put him on the bus. He was going to his mother's home in Calgary. He hadn't spoken with her in almost 15 years, but he was hoping he could go home and die. Almost incoherent, he sputtered. I wish I'd never been born. My whole life has been a mistake. My whole life has been a misery. Yeah, I'm thinking about Richard, and I'm thinking about Ernie. Ernie was a, a man on the rise. While he was in his, in his 20s, he was already vice president of a thriving national business. He was tough-minded, hard-driving, prodigiously skilled, hugely ambitious. He was a superb athlete and a, a natural talent at any sport. He had a beautiful wife. They were unable to have children of their own, so they adopted four, three from Africa and one from Mexico. On the day the fourth adoption became final, Ernie got the results back from some medical tests he had undergone to account for some dizziness, blurring of eyesight, and tingling in his hands. The test came back with stunning news. Ernie had multiple sclerosis. Yes, I'm thinking about Richard and Ernie. And I have a question about your philosophy. How do I explain to them that life justifies living? The young philosophy student had no response. He said he'd have to think about it and get back to me. I gave him my address and asked him to write me when he came up with something. I never heard from him. Because life does not justify living. Eternity does. We are not immune. Could be any of us at any time. Life cannot justify living. And if we share that hope with others, uh, that if you come to church and if you know Jesus, then, then life will be better here and now and it'll be perfect and all your problems will go away, then we failed and we're lying to them. We don't know that. But any of us at any time can offer to any person ever that life, eternity justifies living, that there is more, that there's hope, and that, there, that there's this perfection. And it may not be here and now, but it's real. And God proved that, that he, he wants you to have it through Jesus. And I love that story, but even more, I, I know that Jesus feels the same way. See, in Luke 4, I'm not going to read all this, but 
He's going around healing people physically and mentally. He's driving out demons. He's wanting them to, to be physically well. And, and at verse 42, it says this, At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. He's been healing people physically and mentally and doing a really good job. But what is most important to Jesus? But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Jesus was preaching the good news. He was preaching that the gift of salvation was, was going to happen through him. The, the gift is the reason we have freedom to use our gifts. We can use our gifts to help people physically and mentally and get them to the next day. But if we're not trying to lead them to eternity with Christ, then, then don't waste your time. Because we're, we're only just, just giving, we're giving them something that maybe they want, but we're not giving them what they need. And Jesus was on mission and he knew what we need, what everyone needs is eternity. So that's what he gave. He wanted to free us from our sin, and because of that, we can focus on using our gifts to share the good news with others. And so today, just like we've been doing every week, I'm asking for another commitment. Um, and the commitment is this. I will use my gifts for the body of Christ. So what I have is, uh, we've actually, uh, we introduced this, I think in March, a spiritual gifts discovery assessment. Um, maybe about 30 to 40 people have taken this online. And so that's an option. You can take this online. Um, but the problem is um, it doesn't work on all, all computers. I'm not, I'm not sure why. Um, so I wanted, to give, I wanted to make sure that wasn't a reason not to do it. I didn't want that to hold anyone back. So for the next three weeks, these little packets, there's, it's uh, six pages. There's a lot of questions here. And you fill it out, and it walks you right through it if you follow the directions. Um, I was supposed to give you a little more time at the end, but I think I... I, I still talk too much. Um, but Colin filled this thing out in eight minutes. He's really smart. It took me like over two hours. So I don't know. Um, but if you get one of these and uh, after the service, because, uh, uh, again, we might be out early, we might not. Um, but if you take the packet to the tables in the back, there's, uh, there's pens in these packets. Amy will have them available immediately after the service. Fill it out and give it back. We'll bring it next week and bring it into the office. If you can get this into my hands, we will make sure uh, that we use this. And the reason is, we've been looking at opportunities to become more uh, focused on evangelism and small groups. We had a team of people that, that met all summer for many hours. Uh, many of you are in here today. Um, but what we did was we tried to find areas where we can become more outwardly focused and where we could get people more connected. It was called NCD. Uh, Kelly Blay led the team. We had a team of, I think, eight people. And it, again, it was just what does this church need? What does the community need? What does the kingdom need that we can offer? And so we came up with a list of, of areas of ministry. But what we need now, uh, we need leaders. We need people who are willing to step up and oversee the ministries. And so that's what this is about. See, in, in three weeks on October 20th, uh, I'm going to have um, in your program, it's going gonna, it's gonna to say, uh, I will serve. And you check that box. And if you, if you would like, you just turn it into the offering plate, and we will take that, that, that pile to, of, of people who are willing to serve and these and try to match them up based off their gifts. Um, and so we'll talk with you about it and go over this and whatever we need to do to get you in a place where you can use your gifts. Because I don't want to just read the scripture and look at it and talk about it and say it'd be really nice, but we're not really going to do it. 
And so this is what's going to happen. In the next three weeks, this will be available. If you can get it to me by the 20th um, or shortly after, uh, we'll, uh, we'll try to get you in the right place to use your gift uh, for the church and for the kingdom. And so what, is, what else here? I have, a, I have a list of things to make sure I say. Yeah, you can take it online as well. If, if, if you're able to, you'll know. If you, can, if you can go to the church website, there's a banner. If you see the banner, you can take it online. If you don't, then, then that's, I don't, I don't know, it must, it must be a pop-up blocker or something. Uh, Colin could probably figure it out because he's a lot smarter than me. But um, anyway, so we're going to uh, let you out at some point, and it'll be on the back, or uh, near the back. Amy will have those. Um, but ultimately, if you truly believe life does not justify living, no matter how good things are right now, uh, if you know, uh, or, or how bad things are, if you just know this is not it, and I want to make a difference, I want to use gifts, and I want to share the love of Jesus with others, um, I, I would just, I would ask that you would fill this out, um, and, and then when it comes time, we'll, we'll get you in the right place, because we want others to know um, that it's not all about now, that it's about, it's about eternity, and we can do something about it today. So let's pray. God, thank you so much. Um, for giving the ultimate gift first in Jesus. Um, he made the sacrifice. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. Um, but because you love us, you gave him. And so I, I pray that, that we accept that gift and any other gifts that you give us uh, so that we can share that with others. Because there are so many people uh, like, like Richard in the story or Ernie um, there's, there's just, there's people all around us, and, and maybe it's, maybe it's us, um, that we just know that there's so much more, we need that hope, and you have given that, um, you've proven faithful, and loving, and powerful, and so I ask that, um, we do everything we can to share that with the world. Thank you for Jesus, and it's his name we pray, amen.